welcome to our second podcast on GetWise, a show dedicated to discussing emerging trends in the cybersecurity and legal landscape and providing unique industry insights. Today, we are delighted to welcome on this episode special guest, Richard Steenen, who is the Chief Research Analyst for IT Harvest. Richard has presented on cybersecurity in 29 countries across six continents, and amongst his many benchmark cyber publications, he is the author of Surviving Cyberwar, and there will be cyber war. Richard, welcome back to Melbourne, and thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to pop into Wise Law. Thanks, John. It's a pleasure. And I have to update my bio because uh, a couple months ago I presented in Malaysia and the Philippines. So now I can say 31 countries. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, starting off, first question. Uh, we heard on your recent interview with Matt Stevenson that you enjoy a game called Craps. Is this correct? That's correct. All right. For those uninitiated, Craps is a dice game in which the players make wages on the outcome of a role, series of roles on a pair of dice. Richard, we know you travel back and forth from the USA to Australia. Have you managed to be either in Australia or the Australian Embassy in Washington on Anzac Day? I have not. Um, I've been very close. I think I was in... Uh uh, New Zealand on Anzac Day. Alright, so in Australia there is a long tradition of a game with two coins called Two Up. Over the last 30 years, Australian state and territory has rewritten gambling laws to legalise Two Up on Anzac Day, albeit with a few conditions. So every other day of the year it's illegal because it's an unregulated form of gambling and it's not something that the various governments are particularly keen on. Put simply, simply put, you bet as to whether it will take two heads, two tails or one of each. So from Gambling to cybersecurity, are we really so close to cyber war as the toss of a socially engineered coin? Well, as you know, John, uh, wars can be triggered um, by sometimes seemingly um, random events. Uh, I think people point to World War One and the assassination of Arch- Archduke Ferdinand as um, you know the prime example of of how building tensions and uh, collateral agreements can lead to those outcomes, and certainly a cyber attack could be viewed, and, and many of the Western nations at least have declared that a cyber attack uh, could be responded to with a kinetic attack led by the uh, Department of Defense. They've, they've said that way back in uh, 2009, I think. Um, but that's a dangerous thing because attribution is so very, very hard. The types of cyber attack that they seem most concerned with are debilitating attacks against critical infrastructure, so taking out power grids and emergency responder networks, etc. Um, in my own writing and, and research, I look more closely at military use of cyber attack and whether or not a cyber attack would be used uh, in a battle or an engagement um, to really be a uh, it would essentially be a, a surprise um, use of a new weapon uh, and might lead to a, uh, a change of outcome. And, you know, everybody looks at first instances of, you know, uh, half a dozen U.S. Uh, naval ships in the Pacific uh, bumping into things inadvertently and in some cases uh, killing sailors on board. Um, and how could that possibly be? And you can hypothesize that a GPS spoofing attack could easily accomplish that. Um, so just take that to the next level, and you could have a uh, cyber attack. Uh, you know, at least lose a battle that would then, uh, you know, create 
uh, more concerns. I don't know if it lead to an all-out war between countries. We do have the mitigating factor of uh, uh, mutually assured destruction of if we ever got that far. Um, but I think it's uh, most scholars agree that cyber effects will be used in all future wars. Okay. Just drawing back a bit from that, when you talk about information operations slash persuasion, do you think that the average person sees that as, a, for a better word, brainwashing as an act of war and aggression? Um, I don't think so, though the terminology is used. You know, we intermix uh, information war and cyber war. And when we talk about influence ops to impact Brexit or the U.S. elections in 2016, um, quite often people will co-mingle that uh, explanation for what's going on with cyber war. I don't go that far. I think information ops is an extension of propaganda, which has been with us for uh, since the invention of the printing press, maybe. Um, but yet it is, because it is a super powerful uh, element of the way nation states interact with each other today um, and directly influence the populaces of other countries, that it's obviously worrisome that we're uh, getting ahead of uh, government's ability to uh, understand and create policy and mitigating uh, technologies or or actions to prevent it from happening. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Leading on from that, I very much enjoyed your review of Singer and Emerson's book released last year, Like War, The Weaponization of Social Media. You said inside this book there was a great quote attributed to Colonel Robert Bateman, once every, once every village had an idiot, it took the internet to bring them together. Reading Like War will help you avoid being part of this, this internet of idiots. As much as any, nobody wants to admit, they get sucked in by confirmation bias. We fall prey to it. If I might pull two questions from this. Firstly, do you think that The Great Hack was a good visual representation of like war? It was good. It was a little over the top by um, you know, scaremongering, as, as you have to do if you're creating a, a good documentary. Um, and yet, coverage of uh, Cambridge Analytica's um, uh, participation in you know a dozen changes in uh, control or, or power throughout the world is is important for that documentary. Um, I would recommend also looking at um, the the uh, other documentary called Active Measures, um, which was independently produced, not a Netflix, but you can watch it for free online. Hmm. All right, and the second question connected to that is uh, your mention of confirmation bias. May I ask you to expand on this a little? We are in the phase of a Me Too movement and other movements which are casting some light onto how our brains work. Could you help our listeners with what you meant for by a hapless user of devices and social media? Sure. Um, if you're like me, um, you start um, unfollowing people on Facebook that hold opinions that are offensive to you. Um, and I, I create my own little bubbles of influence uh, on Twitter. So I follow uh, cyber policy people and if they keep saying things that are offensive, uh, for instance, you know, supportive of Make America Great Again, then I take them off my list. I stop seeing their stuff. And when I'm done filtering it, I end up you know, with a bunch of people who are liberal-minded uh, that I follow all the time. 
um, which is, I figure that's okay since, you know, I, I never equated myself as a liberal as much as a libertarian, which is not the same thing. Um, so I, I feel a little immune and I can question uh, the, the bubbles that I create for myself. But we all do this. And, you, and we're all influenced by our friends and family. If everybody's going a certain way, we want to follow the crowd. And we'll start to feel that, uh, just look at all of the different things, you know, global warming uh, is a great example, or anti-vaccination, or uh, current uh, dietary fads one way or the other. Um, they're all part and parcel of that. Leading on from this, um, we're very much looking forward to your upcoming release of the Security Yearbook 2020. As we understand, it, you have a complete history of the IT security industry, not just the technology hacks or cyber attacks, and not just the, of cryptography, but a history of our industry on the vendors and the people who have made this multi-billion dollar industry, industry that we are currently in. Could you please help us imagine how the industry will shape up over the next two decades as greater diversity is plunged into the sector? Well, two decades is very difficult to project because uh, the industry itself is only two decades old and it grew up with the internet and uh, the information revolution. Um, two decades from now you have to incorporate what will be the impacts of uh, quantum computing and artificial intelligence, which are two things that are hard to predict. Um, but the one thing you can say about the security industry is, unlike every other technology industry, it has an outside driver, which is the threat actors. And until the threat actors pack up and go home, the industry will have to continue to innovate, and there will always be new companies with better technology for countering the new types of attacks um, and methodologies. Um, just as you know, there will be something to fight uh, influence ops. There will be uh, new encryption technology to counter the decrypting capability of quantum computing. And today, machine learning is being applied to the defensive side. Um, it probably already is, though we haven't seen signs of it, but it's probably out there. They're using machine learning and artificial intelligence applied to the attacking side. Um, and pro that's probably being developed by militaries around the world even today. So I predict that it won't be long before attacks um, are self-learning and self-propagating and can uh, reduce the time to infect and steal data to minutes from the days that uh, manually operated so-called uh, APTs, Advanced Persistent Threat Groups, have to engage in today. Hmm. All right. Just a last question here. If you could change something in how all of us think about our electronic worship world, what would it be? I, I guess I would, uh, I would want everybody to uh, be better at or kind of strengthen their muscles for uh, questioning things that are presented as facts. Um, become like a industry analyst. If everybody ever makes a, if anybody makes a declarative statement, question it. So even if somebody says the sky is blue, uh, question that. Uh, is it really blue or is that just, you know, light being diffracted in a certain way? Awesome. Richard, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to expanding on these topics with you next time you have the time and opportunity to be in Melbourne again. My pleasure. Thank you, John. 
And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. We hope forward to you joining us again for our next episode of Get Wise.